Hey, sports fans. Welcome to Greg Medford Show. I'm your host, Greg Medford, actually, here in Phoenix, Arizona. Back at the factory, here in the studio, doing our thing. Man, it's been a crazy year and a half. We went through the entire cycle up to the election, which basically makes me want to punch myself in the face repeatedly. The way it all turned out and the way everything's working out. There are many of us who volunteered to go foreign places and do stuff for our country who all scratch our heads in utter fucking bewilderment of what's happened and who gets elected. And sometimes we we question democracy. Does this actually work? Fingers crossed. Today our guest, Brandon Martin, he's from uh, Cochise County. He's just got elected Republican chair. We talked to him a little bit. During the cycle, and now we're off the cycle. I didn't even know there was an election going on. Welcome aboard. How you doing? Doing good. Thanks for having me. Was there? Is it a special election, or how did you? What just happened? No. So uh, last December we had our our statutory meeting where we elect our county officers and everything before we go up to the state and elect our officers in January for the state party. Uh, and I decided that uh, it was time to run, make some changes at the local level, and uh, got elected and been doing some good things and got a lot of things going on i mean between the school between the party and and everything we're trying to make sure 2024 doesn't look like 22 what's the school and the party what are you talking about so uh you know i think the only way we get out of the situation that we're in is to wake people up and educate them and we talked a lot about that last time but uh, i've started a k-12 through private school and we hire veterans to teach civics-based education the hillsdale college k-12 curriculum and uh, we're getting that started. We're the Spartans, and uh, we're an all-boys year-round school, and very excited about that. We're teaching the next generation how to be young men and not fall into that woke society BS that we see going on right now from Joe Biden to the uh, child-bearing people out there. Where are you? Uh, t- tell me about this. Like, It's a brick-and-mortar school? It is. It's a brick and mortar school, but we're incorporating uh, the latest uh, advancements in technology, such as AI and computers and everything. But we are going back to a more classical, basic understanding of what reading, writing, arithmetic, all that stuff. Uh, and we're going to teach these young boys how to be men. And it's going to be more than just uh, your classes that, that you get from a public school. We're going to teach rhetoric. We're going to teach um when you have an issue conflict resolution, we're going to, we're going to have mats uh, wrestling mats down in the school at all times. And when the boys get too rambunctious or, you know, they, they have an issue or they're too energetic. We're not going to look to the parents and say, Hey, you need to put little Johnny on Ritalin or Adderall. We're going to take them to the mat and wear them down, break them like a horse. So it's just going to be a different way, a different approach of what's the name of the school again, Northeast Institute. Spartans. We're, Spartans uh, is yeah. the perfect name. I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's uh, it's going to be great. We're opening our flagship location right outside of Fort Huachuca down in Sierra Vista. Uh, our three-year plan is to open up our second school location outside of Davis Mountain Air Force Base in Tucson, and then we'll be moving up to put, open up a location outside of Luke Air Force Base. And eventually, what the what the plan is is once we get all of our Arizona schools up and running because of the ESA programs, where we have school choice, best in the nation. Uh, I want to open up a location in every CONUS military post in the United States. So that way, if you know, you're know you a soldier or an airman or a Marine, you're stationed in, in the CONUS uh, environment, you can, if you have to PCS, you can transfer your student from our school at Fort Huachuca to uh, the school outside of Fort Bragg. Okay. Is the school up and running right now? 
No, it's not. We've got our building location. We've got our lease. We've got all that. Uh, right now, we're in the process of building partnerships and sponsors. We're looking for seed money. Uh, we're trying to raise $100,000 to get up off the ground. That's going to buy our books. That's going to do the first month's you know, stuff that we need, all that kind of thing. Um, but we've got a sweetheart deal, a uh, great location. Uh, the, the owner of the property is actually a veteran himself. So it, he's just, everything's falling into place. We got to raise that last hundred thousand dollars and we'll be cooking January 1st of 2024. Wow. It's a big bite. I wasn't expecting that. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, what made you decide to do a thing right outside bases? Well, being a veteran and, you know, you saw Bob on your way in, uh, he's retired Air Force. Uh, we have a lot of resources in our veteran community. A lot of the people that I was in the military with, they learned second languages for their intel training. Uh, and I come from a military intelligence training battalion, and we're all certified teachers. We've got many, many hours and, and weeks and, and months of classes. Uh, so what I want to do is I want to take that military grit and, and fortitude and I want to put it in a classroom and shape young men to become tools and leaders for the next generation I, I what's going on in this country right now with the wokeness and boys can be girls and all that nonsense we have to start fighting back and 40 60 years ago the left knew this they they invested heavily in shaping our school systems and brainwashing these kids into thinking that you know um, it, it's okay to boys can have babies and this kind of stuff. I mean, where we've gone in this country is insane and we've got to fight back. And right now in Arizona with what the Republican legislature did in the last, in the last uh, legislature, they made us the most school choice state in the United States. And we have the ESA program and first year in office, Katie Hobbs. Tell, tell has, us what ESA is. So it's empowerment scholarship accounts. And basically what that is, is the state legislature said, instead of tying that up in failing public schools, we're going to give parents the opportunity and the choice to put their kid in a, in a different school location where they can thrive. And it could be a charter school, a private school, it even goes to homeschooling. So um, the, the Democrats, because of the teachers unions, they're wholly opposed to this. Right. Katie Hobbs first year, she's trying to destroy it. She's trying to get rid of ESAs. And that's why I'm making this push right now and trying to get this school set up because we as Republicans, we as conservatives who believe in school choice, we have to set up these schools because if we can get enough of these schools set up that are operating off of ESAs, we can then go in front of the media and we can say, listen, don't let, don't take little Johnny or little Susie's ESA money away. They're performing higher than their peers in the public schools. We need to keep this around and we need to, we need to take a page from the Democrats. We need the optics of, of the public sector looking at this and saying, you know what, school choice is a better option than leaving our kids in the failing public schools. And we saw what happened when the government and even Republicans in government shut down our schools because of COVID. Uh, you know, I think it's 2022, only 33% of students passed the statewide math tests. And, and we're, Arizona ranks 40th in literacy rate among fourth grade reading level. So, I mean, our schools in Arizona are hurting. Our kids aren't being taught properly. And this is what we've got to do. We've got to step up to the plate and we've got to make a change. And it's not going to happen if we just sit back and complain about it. All right. So uh, when are you looking to, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, trying to take it all in. <laughs> when are you looking to have your first semester open? So it'll be the first quarter of next year, so January of 2024. Okay, um, that's not far. It's not far away. We've got pretty much everything set up. Do you have the? Do you have your students? 
that's that's what we don't have because we can't recruit students until we know we have the funding. So until we have that funding, we can't start advertising. We can't start recruiting students. Uh, once we get up and running, the ESAs will take care of everything. So this initial seed money that I'm out gathering right now, that's going to get us up and running. And then from there, it's just it's full steam ahead, just head down, plowing forward. So that's my, that's my mission right now is to get the school up and running. Then it takes care of smell itself. I've got smart people who are going to actually run the school, and I'm going to continue networking, uh, working towards that Davis Monthan and Luke Air Force Base locations, and then out to the CONUS locations across the United States. That's my goal. So I'm going to get this first one up. Let the the people who know what schooling is and who have run uh, projects like that before, you know, we got a guy on board on tap that has run a, an entire military school in Fort Huachuca. He's he's processed thousands of soldiers through the school. We've got one guy who's an Air Force veteran who's already taught high school courses down in Cochise County. He's got a he's a, got a double PhD in physics and mathematics, and he's like, yeah, sign me up. Let's let's get going. So uh, once we get this thing up and running, it's going to take care of itself. I, I'm convinced that it's going to be a good enough model that I'm not even going to have to speak for it anymore. It's going to the results are going to speak for itself. So the proof of concept, I'm not worried about. Um, we're like I said, we're just plowing ahead, and uh, every step we just got to get there one more day, one more day, one more day, one foot in front of the other. Is somebody doing like curriculum development at Breakneck Pace right now, or do you guys already have curriculums kind of? We've already we've already got that. Things. So um, Hillsdale College in Hillsdale, Michigan, um, very conservative yeah, organization. Familiar. They have a K through twelve curriculum, and we don't have to reinvent so, the oh, wheel. Oh, so you're going to use their curriculum? Yeah, we're going to use their their curriculum. Is it an gonna, online curriculum that they have? No, it's a it's a traditional book in hand. Really? Yeah, yeah. And so, what do you do? Do you reach out to Hillsdale and say, "Hey, we want to be a kind of affiliate high school theater site." How do you do that? Yeah, we've already we've already reached out to Hillsdale. We've and already contacted. And they're like them. awesome. Yeah, they have this program across the country, and uh, what it is is um, you have two years before you can be an affiliate with them. So we have our first two years that we'll use their curriculum and implement everything, and then we contact them. We're like, hey, it's been two years. They come out, they inspect us, they look at the school, they look at the students, the scores, all that stuff, uh, the administration, and then they they say yay or nay on whether we can be an affiliate school. It's a big reach. Um, uh, they have other schools that are doing this around the country. They do. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. I mean, it's still, it's still pretty mm -hmm. small. I was actually surprised to see how small it is given how great Hillsdale is. Can or, you give me an idea? Like I mean, I'm familiar with Hillsdale. I told my daughter if she wanted to borrow money for anything, borrow for <laughs> Hillsdale, you know? Sure. Um, well, how, how big is the program out there? Do you get a sense of how many schools are doing this? Well, they have a mixture of charter and privates. Um, but if you look at the fact that only 10% of students in America are in private schools, and you figure that the percentage of those who are in a Hillsdale model is probably even smaller of that. I mean, it, it's not a big number. I would say just from their website. Less maybe, than 1%. Oh, yeah. Less than 1%. Tiny amount. Yeah, tiny amount. But, uh, you know, again, it, it's developing a movement, right? So you got the first school, you got the second school. But once we, the proof of concept, once we start winning out there, people will pick up on it. Hillsdale's a great brand. It sells itself. Um, so I, I'm not worried about that. Uh, what, what we're doing is we're, it's a culture shift and that's the war that we're going to be in for is when we're saying, look, you're not going to pervert our young boys. You're not going to corrupt them. You're not going to try to turn them into what society is turning men into. Um, we're going to, we're going to protect them. We're going to make sure they get the education they need. And that's going to be the fight. Because when we start doing that, the the other side's going to push back against us. I mean, you can see it with um, national figures who are talking. When um, 
Dr. Peterson or Andrew Tate or Joe Rogan or anybody, um, when they get out there and they say young men need to step up and be leaders and men, and you see what happens from society, they get attacked from everybody. They get attacked from the left. They get attacked um, in everything they do. And so that's going to be our fight. And that's what I'm that's what I'm preparing for is I want to build up such an infrastructure that we don't have to rely on them. We're not taking grants from the government. So everything we do is going to be uh, invested in by private investors or businesses. Uh, we're a 501c3 veteran service organization. Uh, we're hiring veterans to teach. We're going to be giving back to our veteran organizations. And so I'm, go I'm going to build that up with these tax-deductible donations, and we're going to make sure that this private school feeds into itself. And what I see happening in the future is we're going to create a class of young men that when they get back into the workforce, they're going to feed, they're going to be the alumni that feed back into this program and keep this thing going. And so uh, we've reached out to different doctors. We're reaching out to different professions. So when our students get to about the junior level of high school, they start a mentorship program mm -hmm. and they have a job waiting for them. So say, for example, uh, one of our students wanted to get into knife making, right? I'm, I call up Greg Medford. I'm like, hey, uh, we got this young man. He wants to he wants to build knives. He wants to you know do all this great things. Would you be a mentor for him? And then once a month, you know, he gets on a call where you talk to the group, and then that develops from there. I created the Army Mentorship Program at Fort Wachuca. I wrote the manual for it. I created the Civilian Advisory Council. I've done this all before. So what we do is we get these mentors, these strong men in society, uh, talking to these young men and saying, look not only are we going to prepare you for the real world, but we're going to make sure you get off on the right foot. We're going to make sure that you have a job. And so that way we can continue to be leaders into the future. Damn. That's a big, uh, that's a big, big reach. What, uh, Gretzky, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big reach. Crazy. All right. I like it. I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah, we're excited. We're, I mean, you know, it, every day we, we look at things. I'm constantly, uh, whether it's Twitter or just networking, I'm looking at the advancements in schools. I'm looking at what certain schools, private schools in Texas are doing. There's some that have uh, classrooms where there's no teachers, but their students are outperforming the national average by like five to ten points. Uh, it's just crazy the advancements that we're making uh, in the private school sectors. So uh, what, what have you found school. out there? What's some of the most innovative, interesting techniques? Like you just meant something, something kind of crazy with no teachers at all to do better. Yeah. Um, so, so what's the deal? Well, my feeling on that and what we've incorporated before we knew that is we're going to be a year-round school. So I used to be a substitute teacher. I was a substitute teacher in Air, Massachusetts, and an assistant football coach up there. And some of the things that I learned was – in traditional schools where you have your traditional summer break, every first quarter is spent Catch teaching up. the students, mm -hmm. catching up from the last sure. quarter of the previous year. We're going to be a year-round school, and we're not going to have our traditional grade levels. Our students are going to progress through the content at the pace that they're able to retain the information and conceptualize it. So once our students, they demonstrate that they can conceptualize and understand the math or the reading or whatever it is, they're going to go on to the next program. We're not going to hold them back. So we're going to have overachievers. I mean, if your kid is a smart kid and does their homework, puts their nose to the grindstone, you know, they could graduate the high school level 
at 14, 15, 16 years old. And we're going to have a mentorship program there waiting for them. And we're working on right now, and we've got time to do it because before we get through an entire um, cycle of K through 12, uh, we're looking at how we can reinvest some of the tuition money into our students. So what we're looking at right now is a way to take a student that has finished our entire program, K through 12, when they get ready to go out into the workforce, uh, some way, a stipend, something so they don't have to worry about uh, getting a place to live. They don't have to worry about getting a car. And it's not something that we're going to hand to them for free, but it's something that they've invested in and worked in throughout the K through 12 where we give back to them because we we don't want them dependent on society. That's what the Democrats are doing right now to to the left. That's what they're doing to the young people. They're saying, hey, come come to us because we're going to give you free stuff. We're going to forgive your college loans. We're going to do all this stuff without ever working for it, without a plan and agreement where that's the goal. But we're going to we're going to sit down with these students and all our families are going to have to agree to contracts. There are going to be certain stipulations that our families and their students are going to have to abide. And when we get done with this, we're going to have young men who want to work, who are excited to work and who are feeding into the positivity of what it means to be an American entrepreneur. Okay, so uh, January 2024, which is five months away, I was right around the corner. Um, how many grades are you going to kick off at once? We're starting our K through six first. Uh, our current building is 9,300 square feet. We have eight classrooms, full commercial kitchen, 24 rooms, uh, nurses station, a whole thing. So the story with that is this veteran owner of the property, uh, right before COVID hit in 2020, his wife wanted to start a Montessori style school. So they took this end of their building, they this huge building. They took the end cap and they converted it into a school, uh, Ducey shut down the state of Arizona in 2020 and they just left it and it sat there and I was networking and I came across uh, the gentleman that owns the property and we got to talking. He's like, yeah, my granddaughter's stuck in a crappy school and all this. And I was like, well, I'm starting a school. And he's like, well, I've got an empty school building. And I said, well, that's, that's amazing that I, out of all the people I run into you, I run into you. And he's like, you want to go see it? Uh, sure. Let's do, we do just, it. <laughs> do we just become best friends? Yeah. You want to do karate in the garage? Well, yeah. You guys, that you, was a peanut butter and signature? chocolate moment. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, and, uh, he's had some personal tragedy and everything and, uh, he's a great guy, but he's actually, um, expressed to me that he wants to sell the entire building that that end cap is in. And it's uh, 77,000 square feet, five, it sits on five acres, 500 parking spots, and he owns a communications business. And in his side of it, where there's 25,000 square feet in his area, he already has classrooms set up because before any of his guys go out to do communications work and set up lines, they actually have to go through training and get certified by him, even if they're certified, you know, from a tech school or whatever. So the building is literally ready to go. It's, it's turnkey, um, but he... He, he did talk to me. He told me what he wants for the entire building. He's willing to sell me the entire property, but that's, that's down the line. We're yeah, that's focus. another step. Let me ask yep. you, how many students do you need to kick the thing off? Well, our max that we're looking for is 210, but we can... We 210 can, for all those grades or per grade? Or? That's, that's K through six, all the grades. Okay, okay. That's, that's our max, and we want, to, we want to start as early as possible because we want to get our students through our entire program. You know, it's, it's hard when you ask somebody who's in sixth grade who's coming from a failing public school to come into your system and say, hey, you know, get in the deep end and start swimming, you know. But you got to be able to, right? You do. Because uh, you can't just... You can't just 
have your second six grades be based off your first first six because the law of attrition in motion means yeah. you only have 60% of those people at best, right? Yeah. So um, the nice thing about the Hillsdale curriculum, it seems like somebody could kind of jump in and get a feel mathematically for where they're at. Yeah, we kind of if if even if they're a sixth grader, they could hop into fourth grade math and be cranking along at an individualized pace. And by the time they're in eighth grade, have kind of caught up or maybe even surpassed it. Yeah, and that's going to be where our school excels because we are the year-round model. We're going to be able to catch those students up who may be behind because of public schools or wherever they're coming from. And we, and I, I'll tell you, when I've been out talking about this with people, I've met a lot of homeschooled parents, like people who said, I can't keep my kid in, in public school anymore. We're going to homeschool them. Uh, and they're doing a fine job, but they're treading water. You know, they're like, man, it's it's more work than I thought. It's more labor intensive than I thought. Or, you know, my my spouse is out there working and we could really benefit from a second income. So we have a, actually already a host of kids that go into the, the they've been in the homeschool system now for a year or two that their parents are just looking for something like this to say, OK, uh, I feel comfortable with this. I'm excited to put my kid in there and I could go back to doing other things that I need to do. All right, well, let's go, Brandon. Let's talk about the next thing. Let's talk. Let's talk politics. Tell me where you're, you know, you, you've obviously run for office again, and you're involved in the Republican Party, whom I am just beside myself mad at here in Arizona right now. Talk to me a little bit about what you're going to do, because I got asked to go speak at a Republican thing, and they were telling me what to say. And I go, no, I'm not doing that. And, and it's a, a, a gentleman who's a friend. He's like, well, you know, I said, here's what I want to talk about. If you want to have me come, this is what I'm going to talk about. But if you want me to come... I, I, I'm not going to talk somebody else's agenda. I'm, I'm mad right now at the Republican Party. They're not getting any money from me. They're not getting my support. I'm pissed off. And uh, it's for losing elections when we have great candidates. It's for losing message when we have a great opportunity. And it's for freaking losing. And it's just annoying me. Tell me, what, what's your, uh, what are you doing now as Republican Party chair down in Cochise County? What would you run for? What do you want to do? What's your mission? Well, just like when I was running for Congress, I want to start stripping away the parts of government that are infringing on our rights. And I've learned something from running from office. And those lessons learned are the Republican Party is obsessed with our our donors, our rich people, if you will, our donor class. They fund candidates. And it doesn't matter if they're a good candidate, bad candidate, doesn't matter. They're like, this is the person uh, the Republican Party has gotten into identity politics now. And it, it doesn't look, it's the Uniparty. It doesn't look that much different than the Democrat Party. So what I've done is I've invested in the grassroots. And you know you hear that, and it's, it's been said before by politicians, but I personally, myself, over the last three weeks with a group of two people, uh, we've gone out and we've actually knocked almost an entire precinct in our biggest town in Cochise County in Sierra Vista. And we've talked to people who they said, we haven't had a Republican from the county in our, at our door in six years that I've lived here. Or we're, we're also going around scrubbing the voter registration rolls. So if we see, we see six names on a list, we're like, okay, ma'am, there's six names on this list. Here they are. How many of these people are actually registered to vote here? And she said to me, she said, just me and my husband. We bought the house from those other people. They haven't lived here in 20 years. So when the Republican Party and, and the grassroots, they talk about election integrity, you can't have election integrity if you don't know how many people can actually vote in your county and state. And that's that's what I'm doing first. So our first goal has been to canvas the entire county, either by phone or by knocking on door, one of those two. And we're actually helping the county recorder's office because we'll send them back our information and say, this is precinct 32. This is how many people have identified that this voter doesn't live at that address anymore. 
We send that information in. Then the county recorder has to go through their process of sending out two verified pieces of mail. Uh, once they once they do that and they don't get a response back from that person, they can take them off the voter registration list. So we're out there cleaning up the voter rolls. We're talking to individuals. Uh, you know, you probably can't see it because I got my suit on, but I got a nice tan I'm sporting, and uh, uh, you know, we're just we're talking to people, and that's where you that's where you got to win. And you know, the the that's what Trump won on. That's what won for Trump in 2016. He struck a chord with the average everyday American, the person that goes to work every day and just wants to be left alone and doesn't want government infringement. And when he told Hillary Clinton, when he said, yeah, I use the tax system to my benefit, but so do you and so do your donors. Like people understood that. And they said, that's an, that's an honest perspective from a politician. That's something we haven't heard before. And that's what people want. They want sincerity, authenticity, and likability. And if you go to their door, you look them in the eye, you shake their hand, you ask them, what are your concerns? How can the party assist you from the county level? They tell you. They say, our number one thing was you got to get Joe Biden out of office. He's destroying our country. And then it was followed up second by the border, third inflation. Uh, and we're, we're getting all this good data from people where they're saying, this is my concern. And in, as a county party, at least what I can control we're idiots if we don't listen to them, but we are going to be listening to them. We're going to be putting our best foot forward for them. And so that's what I'm trying to do is I'm really trying to connect at, at the lowest level with the voter and say, okay, you're the, you're upset about this. Come join us. You know, we just knocked your precinct. We identified five, 10 people who are very, very passionate. You all come with us now and we'll go all of us next to knock the next precinct and we'll gather five or 10 more from there. And let's get this, let's get this train rolling. Well, more power to you for having the, I don't know if it's the audacity or naivete to do it, quite frankly. I mean, you must wonder sometimes. Um, I have a slightly different perspective. You know, we've got some decent percentage of independents in the state of Arizona. It's a lot of independents. And if you poll independents, they are not zealots about abortion. And we have a tendency to run screaming to the Christian right and get left behind at the polls because independents don't like our extreme views. And I'll tell you what, I heard so many people, um, you know, I, I've heard uh, a lot of the folks that we know that ran for statewide office have said, yeah, people just, we talked about the wrong things. Our message was wrong. And I'm sitting there going, no, the fuck it wasn't. You guys are wrongheaded about abortion. You're wrongheaded. Leave that shit for church and for Sunday. The society as a whole doesn't believe they believe in letting women have more of a choice. 85% of Americans agree on some form of abortion. Look at what's happened in Kansas. One of the most Bible Belt places in America has approved and come to some come to some compromise on it. We are no compromise on it, and we lose independent voters. And, and the problem is we get caught screaming for a year after the election about the mess of the election that we never do anything to fix. And we run on bad policies that are not in line with the democracy that they want to be in charge of. It drives me crazy. 85% of Americans are okay on some form of abortion, even if they personally are against it. Because in the same way that men don't want to give up their guns and they're okay with some eggs getting broken to make the omelet, women are the same way. They don't want to be told what to do. And it's the, it's the Second Amendment of the woman's spirit. Is, is that thing. And uh, I think we have our head up our ass on it. I think we're going to continue to lose elections. I think we can rally people till the cows come home. You get more and more Republicans to come out and vote, come out from behind their rocks and vote 
awesome. And there's, I don't know, between 7 and 11% independence in Arizona, right? Yeah, I don't know what the the Arizona it's it's the last time I looked what it was is it, basic, Bobby? Yeah, it, it was it it's was such a, a big number when we ignore them on core issues. And then I heard somebody say to me, I mean I heard someone who's running for statewide office who you and I both know who said, Well, we just need to quit talking about that. That's not the issue. I'm like, Roe v. Wade was overturned in the middle of the cycle. It's the biggest issue there was, and we just didn't think it was because we thought we won. It was arrogance. Well, we so, have we have two things two ways to look at that. So first off, you know, what I told you when I go knocking on doors is I ask people what their concerns are. I, I, you know, I'm a carrier of a message as a candidate or as a party elected leader. You know, if I'm trying to push my agenda down your throat, it's probably not going to be received well. You know, I could come in here and say, hey, you know, I think we ought to take this picture down, uh, you know, and you're like, screw you, man. This is my stuff. I'll do what I want. So there's that aspect of it. But um, I will... I will say this, I'm strongly pro-life, uh, my my Christian faith, which I don't push on other people uh, when I'm campaigning, um, I, I can never turn away from that. I'm pro-life. But here's how I address it from a constitutional standpoint. I'm like, okay, let's look at what our country was founded on. It's our government was created to protect our natural rights given to us by God, the, the rights to life, liberty, and property, which was changed in the Declaration of Independence to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. But the first of those is life, just like the First Amendment in the Bill of Rights is free speech. And then the second is the ability to defend that free speech with the second. So the first right we have naturally from God is the right to life. And we have a mechanism in our country to end life. The government has it. And if you read the Constitution, it says in there, no person shall be deprived of life, liberty or property without due process of the law. So what we should be doing as a constitutional American is all right. You want to end that life? You you want to get an abortion? Fine. Go to court, convince a judge or a jury what that life has done to deserve the death penalty, just like you would have to do for any other life in and America. And this is where you lose 20% of voters. I'm not but I'm not I'm not preaching from a pulpit. I'm not saying that you're damned if you if you commit that murder. I'm just saying Go to court, follow due process. I know, but due process is retarded in the state as it is in, in the entire country. Due process is broken. So look at Trump's due process. Sure. Look at look at the due process of courts. You're going to tell women for their uh, their self-determinism? You know, the cornerstone of Western civilization, self-determinism. So It's not life because then that would mean none of us should drive cars because we kill a lot of each other with cars. You're starting to tread into my territory, and I'm going to say it. Well, if, if we can't trust the government, let's tear it down. I believe let's tear it wholeheartedly. Down. Let's do but, it. But I don't want the government coming in and telling me um, that they're going to take away guns because people get hurt by guns any more than women want. You know, the vast majority of women that I talk to say, um, like, I'll give you an example straight up. I would have voted for Kerry, but I don't like her position on abortion. Well, I'm like, are you you're pro-abortion? Because I'm pro-life. And they're like, well, no, I'm not pro-abortion. I just don't want to be told what to do by the government. And I go, okay, it's a losing argument for us. And the problem is, it's a real thing. Roe v. Wade got overturned, and it became a real issue. Now, maybe it's not with somebody out in Sierra Vista who's got their beliefs. It's not an issue for them because they've got their belief. But at the election, it's an issue. Because these there's, there's this somewhere between 10 and 20%, as Bobby just said, of these independents who are serious about the issue. They're not playing. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, does it really matter what we say as Republicans to, I mean, look at the look at the mainstream media right now. Look what they're doing to Trump. We know, we know that Hillary Clinton paid for a dossier that was completely false 
uh, the the a memo was sent by the highest levels of the FBI to the president to everybody. They all knew it was fake, and yet it got pushed down the mainstream media. The narrative was set; it was pushed out. The man was impeached twice based off of it. Does it really matter? I mean, at the end of the day, I'd rather die on my feet, on my principles, and say, F you, come get it, than to say, you know what, I'm going to cater to you. I'm going to sit here, I'm going to change my principles and my beliefs so I can cater to your delicate feelings. And that's where we as Americans just have to say, look, if it's, if it's to that point, maybe the government shouldn't be involved. And that's why I'm saying let's tear it down. Let's tear it down. Let's get back to where our federal government, the only responsibility they have is to protect our rights. Somewhere between tearing down the government and a revolution, somewhere between that and being so intransigent we never get elected and fools run the country, there is a place of compromise where we hold on to our integrity. That's state rights. I mean, you. So no, you, I'm talking about as candidates. I don't want to get into you know that when you get start getting into constitutional nuance, it doesn't matter because your average voter's not paying attention to that. They're not. It's only us lunatics. If you don't have room in your platform to say I am a pro-life conservative Christian, but if good public policy that balances the right to a woman's self-determinism and, and, and the unborn's right, if we can't find some compromise, if good compromise comes my way, I will support it. If we can't say that because we're so individually intransigent, we are never going to get elected, which means we've got to ride the SS shithole until it crashes into the rocks and after the revolution rise up again in a religious right-wing state. And I just don't think that's the option. So I'm, I'm being a little bit of the devil's advocate. That's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm annoyed that everyone's so intransigent about this. And if you poll, it is why we don't get elected. And, and therefore, we sit on the sidelines fiddling in our uh, ethics while the country gets driven into the rocks. Do you remember when the government said that it's, uh, it's bad for your health to smoke? Do you yeah. remember when that came around and they started banning smoking in public restaurants and yeah. they started doing all the PSAs? Yeah. yeah. Well, who's the government to tell people if they can smoke or not? I mean, based on the same, if you extrapolate it out, the abortion issue, right? Uh, I remember when Joe Biden first got into office, didn't he ban menthol cigarettes? Uh, wasn't wasn't that something that happened? Didn't he say no more menthol cigarettes? I mean, I don't smoke, but... I don't know. It um, sounds racist to me. <laughs> it sounds extremely racist. But here's the thing is the government wanted to push an agenda. So they said no more smoking. You're not going to smoke in public places. I think a lot more people care a lot more about smoking than women do about killing babies. I think there are a lot more smokers at that point in American society than there are people going out and getting abortions. So where was the uprising when they started? I remember those PSAs when they started showing people are like, look at me. I smoke 10 packs a day and I've got lung cancer and I can't talk through my mouth. I, I remember that. Yeah. Why isn't the why isn't the government showing why don't we have TikTok videos of live abortion procedures? I mean, it's it's more detrimental to your health to have your skull crushed by a metal clamp than it is to smoke a pack of cigarettes. There's no question about the brutality of it, okay? But but what there is is a small percentage of voters get them and everyone has a passionate opinion about them. It's because the government pushes the narrative through the media. It's because Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and Hillary Clinton. The Second they... Amendment is the same thing for guys, though. We're not upset about, we're not, we're, like, I, I look, I carry a pistol with me in my pickup truck. I don't have one at home. People say, you don't have one at home? I said, I'm dangerous, dude. I don't need a gun in my house. I'm okay. Um, I, I, I don't have one sitting out here. They're all, and I have a lot of guns. I've got them in vaults. They're locked up, and I don't have them at home. So, 
but if anyone says anything about, like, I've talked to Californians who move here, and they say, well, look, I'm all for sensible gun laws. I'm like, hey, get the fuck out of here. Go back <laughs> to California. Sensible gun laws is stupid, piled on stupid. So I'm radical about Second Amendment. Like, fuck off. But that's how <laughs> a gigantic crew of women are. And I don't mean the radical, heffalump, sure. purple-haired lunatics. I mean Republican wives who sit there dutifully with their husband in church every Sunday. And when they in the voting booth by themselves, they go, Pastor Bob can kiss my ass. Look, I'm, I'm as passionate as you are, and I'm going to play devil's advocate like you did. Isn't that person who comes up to you and I saying, well, you know what? I'm for sensible gun laws. Aren't, isn't that the same exact thing as someone coming up saying, I'm for sensible abortions? I mean, if we're going to compromise on the right to life, shouldn't we be willing to compromise on our ability to protect the life, which is what the Second Amendment is? Compromise. You're absolutely right. And I do compromise. I have a license to carry a firearm. I follow the rules. Bullshit. I lock my guns up. That's bullshit. <laughs> I, I, okay. So that's, you know. that's my compromise. It's like I go along with the rules because the body politics kind of agreed on it at this point. And when you pull gun owners across the board, most of them believe in locking your guns up and being responsible gun owners. Look, fine. I've got a, I've got a gun. I've got guns hidden around my house. All right. I'm not afraid to say it. And if the government ever told me that I can't own a gun, they'll immediately make me a felon. I don't care. Look, I'm so tired. I, I'm, I'm so tired of seeing what's going on in Washington D.C. Hunter Biden can literally do crack out of the out of the ass of a hooker while doing it off government assistance, aka his father. You know, we got these tweets coming out. Hey, where's my 5.1 million dollars? I'm sitting next to my dad, the vice president of the United States. When those people, when they can get away with literally destroying the fabric of our country, selling us out, subverting yeah, us to the communist sure. Chinese, I don't give two shits what the public says or what the government says I should do about my guns, about my life. I'm seriously to the point where I want to free Cochise County. As the party chairman down there in Cochise, have you heard of the free state movement? Yeah. I want to free Cochise County. I want to make it so we put a PSA out or something, some sort of public cry where we say, if you're a gun owner and you're willing to stand on a line or get in a trench next to 1,000 to 2,000 other people, come on down to Cochise County and give the government the big middle finger and tell them, I got one for you. And that's what happened at that's what happened with the at the Bundy Ranch. You know, you look at Waco. We just had the anniversary of Waco back in the 90s when we when every person didn't have a, a mobile TV studio in their pocket. Yeah, yeah. The government could get away with doing whatever they wanted. But when the Bundys were down uh, on their ranch saying we're going to graze our cattle wherever we want because that's our right. And the government comes in and you've got a hundred patriots there with rifles that are under stacked on an overpass and they're looking down at federal agents with guns pointing back. And you got patriots from all over the country coming. What happened? The government stood down. It wasn't a repeat of Waco. That's what we need to get to. We need to get to the point where we have enough people on our side that are just gonna say, you know what? You wanna do that crap over in California? Go over to California because this is Arizona. You do it over there, I'm not gonna mess with you. You bring that stuff into Cochise County or Arizona, and that's where you're going to meet the resistance. That's where you're going to meet the wall. That's where the water crashes against the rocks, and you're going to lose. You're going to die. You come in, you try to take my rights, I will end your life because that is my ability to protect myself and my my children. So you get me fired up, but we got to make a stand somewhere. I mean, where is this stand? Where Where is it? Where is it? I mean, if it's if 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 we're willing, look at what the you said you're willing to um, file the paperwork or do whatever's currently under federal law to own a firearm. 
the ATF and the IRS just confiscated and illegally searched through millions of records from gun stores to find mm-hmm. out who gun owners are. Yeah. When are we going to say, you know what? The FBI is corrupt. The CIA is corrupt. The, all of them. They're totally the IRS, corrupt. They're, when are we going to stop playing their games? When? When we're dead? When it's too late? When there's only five of us, one of us willing to say, you know what? Truth is truth. And I don't think that you have a right to tell me how to live my life. How many people? Because I'll tell you what happened during COVID. Um, you know, in the military, we do these tests, right? We, we'll test a, a country's defenses or an enemy's defense forces. We'll send out a scouting party and we'll see what their response is, right? COVID was just one big test from the government. They know, based on that information, if you extrapolate it out, when they told people, you can't go to work, you can't continue what you do for your livelihood, and on top of it, you can't see your family, you have to hug grandma through a window, watch her die, uh, make make them be by themselves, you have to take a vaccine or we're going to fire you from your job or, or whatever. They now have a list. They know who would turn over their guns the minute the government says, you got to give us our guns because of the same people who didn't say a thing when they were told to mask up, stay at home, let grandma die by herself, or go get the damn shot. And then if you look further, they know how many people are going to wait and hesitate, but take the shot anyway. So they know the ones that won't initially give up their guns, but you say, you know what, we're having a buyback program. And if you come down and give us our guns, we're going to give you a hundred dollars. It's a, you know what, amnesty. Uh, we forgive you. Come on down, give us your guns. They know those people. And then they know the people who will give away one gun, but they won't give away the second gun because those are the people who got the first round of shots, but not the second round of shots. And then they know the people who will never take the shot or never give up their gun. It's a, it's a process of elimination. They have it because every one of those doses was traced in batch numbers that went to the state level and every single state has the ability and has probably already reported that to the federal government. Sure. So they know what they know what the response rate is. They know who's going to resist. They know who's going to give the government the middle finger when they come to tell us this is how we're going to oppress What's you. What's interesting is as part of the resistance. Um, I mean, I've had federal agents in my building in the last few months inspecting, and I go, "Hey, just so you know, before we get started, fuck you guys. I don't believe in you. you can all kiss my fucking ass. But since I don't want to go to war with you today, would you like to look at my safe because my records are perfect? Kiss did, my ass. Did they have a warrant? No, they didn't have a warrant. So because you give up that right when you're a firearms manufacturer when you have an SOT. That's okay. Fair point. Yeah. That that was me not thinking. Fair point. But I'll tell you this. It's I, frustrating. Though. Last year I had a run in with a government agency. They came to my house. I wasn't home. They left a card. I called back. They said, Mr. Martin, we want to talk to you about this, this, and this. And I said, Do you have some sort of warrant? Do you have a legal right to talk to me about that? And they're like, no, we don't have a warrant. And I said, go fuck yourself. I mean, I literally said yep. that. And they they did their thing, and they did an investigation, and it came back unfounded. And they called me, and they said, uh, Mr. Martin, we've completed our investigation. It's unfounded, and um, we're going to send you a letter stating the fact, but we think you need to calm down a little bit. And I said, go fuck yourself. And they wrote on the on the paperwork that they sent me, they said, unsubstantiated, unfounded, and then at the bottom, they say, we recommend that Mr. Martin attend anger management therapy. Oh, yeah. The government's there. Oh. <laughs> but I told them. And that's, and, that's, and that's what I hope every American does is just when the government shows up, if they don't have a legitimate right per the Constitution, they don't have a, a search warrant, you tell them to go fuck themselves. So what was interesting, uh, we, got, we basically, the Biden administration sent down through the ATF this kind of memo, and the memo was anybody who has any inaccuracies on their on their uh, 
I forget your 4473 form journal for disposition of firearms for FFL holders. Um, they're to lose their license. Hunter Biden. <laughs> I Hunter mean, Biden. It, it cracks me up. So, uh, but, but regardless of that, thousands of us all end up in this jam up because it's millions of pieces of data and it's easy to have inaccuracies that are just clerical mm -hmm. from doing lots of stuff. And it's a lot of forms and it's a lot of boxes to match and it's human beings. Yeah. So, and if you lived in free Maricopa and you could call a thousand of your boys down and say, Hey, uh, someone bring the belt fed, someone bring the squad weapon. Like if, I see you're, you're ready for the revolution. I'm ready. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm beyond done. Everyone who's talking about any other nonsense, you're wasting your time. You're an oxygen thief. Let's, let's, let's kick it off. I'm, it's done. Fantastic. Um, is there anything else you'd like to talk about while we're here today? Yeah. Uh, Northeast Institute. We're going to open a terrific all-year-round boys' school, and we're going to teach young men how to grow up and have a set of balls. And when someone tries to infringe on their liberties or hurt their families, they're going to say, go fuck yourself. Fan fan fantastic. Um, first one's going to be down in Cochise County? Down in Cochise County, Sierra Vista. Yeah. Sierra Vista. And second one you're planning on is? Uh, uh, outside of Davis-Monthan in Tucson, Tucson. And then we want to go outside Luke Air Force Base. Oh, fantastic. Well, there's a lot more people up here. Um, that, <laughs> do you think it'll be easier to fill your roles? Well, I, I do. And I don't think it's going to be hard. I think people are clamoring for this. I think I, I think the people, the dads uh, who are sitting there and they're like, man, I can't stand what society's doing, trying to do to my son right now. And they feel like they're the lone guy and they're whatever, but they see this and they're like, you know what? Yeah, that's what I want for my boy. I, I, I want my boy to go there and not be indoctrinated, not think that he, he has a right to go in a girl's bathroom or whatever. Um, he can stand up, say what's right, speak the truth. And that's what I want. And I think people are, I think people are itching for it. I think there's a, there's an under, uh, an undercurrent in America that's just waiting. They're waiting for someone to step up and just grab their hand, stand next to them and say, you know what, let's kick it off. All right. Well, folks, you heard it first. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can find us on, uh, I don't know, so you can find us on Spotify, you can find us on iTunes, you can find us on Rumble. We're probably going to be pulled off of at least three of those, so you can probably find us over on Rumble if you see a snippet of this. That's the Greg Medford Show. Thanks for coming in, Brandon. Thanks for uh, coming back for your second visit. Appreciate it. And uh, I'll be listening for the shots heard around the world. <laughs> yeah. We're all, we're all uh, everybody's ready up here. For, you know, for nostalgia, maybe we'll just use a black powder for the first one. Just for the first one. Just the first one. Not after that. No. no. Okay, thanks. All That's right. the show, folks.